Hello, this is Robert Rickover. I'm an Alexander Technique teacher in Omaha, Nebraska. And my guest today is Imogen Ragone, an Alexander Technique teacher in Wilmington, Delaware. And we have earlier done a, uh, a couple of interviews on the question of inhibition. And in part particular, how to bring it about, I guess is one way to phrase. I'd hate to say how to do it because inhibition is a kind of a non-doing, but- um, How to and how to inhibit. How to inhibit, yes. And, um, and, and this has been inspired by the, a recent, uh, it's not that recent now, but over the past year, let's say, a, a pretty big, a growing interest in the work of Margaret Goldie, who was one of Alexander's uh, first, one of the first teachers trained by him, and who kind of, uh, after he died, uh, continued to teach for a great many years in London, and was not really part, I guess you could say, not part of the Alexander establishment. That might be a polite way to say it. Mm -hmm. she, uh, she was somewhat dismissive of a lot of what was going on. And her, her big idea was they weren't really teaching inhibition the way Alexander taught it and the way she taught it. And it's been there, uh, an Alexander teacher in, uh, I think she's in England, Penelope Easton. She or she's she in, in Ireland. Ireland. She's Ireland. English, I think. She's but, English, but it lives in Ireland. Uh, has written a, a, a really nice book, of, a, partly based on her experience with Margaret Goldie, what she learned from her. And I and I have to say, as someone who was always a little bit um, not that interested in inhibition from based on my training and experience. Uh, and I always found it strange that people regarded it as a core element of the technique, or many people do, right? Yes. Uh, it didn't really yeah. resonate for me. I felt like directions would were really take care of that. And especially um, negative directions, very obviously, um, lead to a kind of inhibition. But it did get me thinking a lot about inhibition and what Margaret Goldie was trying to convey to people. And so we've done two, uh, two, two interviews basically on how to inhibit, parts one and two. May I ask yeah. you a, a question based sure. on what you just said about your kind of like thoughts about or initial thoughts about inhibition yeah and if you get some sort of stimulus that might take you out of good use using alexander terminology mm -hmm. and you decide to um give yourself a direction yeah have you not just inhibited well yes I, 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 and <laughs> because fact, you have thought you've noticed and you've decided to right <laughs> and I would but I would not necessarily have labeled it that way and actually my model as it were was very much I, I mean well Marjorie Barstow um, I think I've 
mentioned this before, but Marjorie Barstow in her teaching never used the word inhibition. Right. I don't and use then, the word, but I do think it's part of my teaching. <laughs> right. And, and it, it, there was this amazing moment in one of her workshops, huge number of people in a big room, uh, where someone raised their hand and said, Marge, how come you never talk about inhibition? And of course, whenever a question like that was asked of her, everyone who was dozing off, because uh, it was getting near lunchtime, as I recall, uh, would immediately spring to attention because this is a seminal moment. And mm -hmm. you knew Marge, you knew that Marge was going to answer it in a way that didn't just answer that person's question, but answered all of our us is mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there was a little pause there. You, you could kind of see the wheels turning in her head. But she said, well, that's all I ever talk about. And then she went on to say something like, well, if inhibition is not doing the thing you don't want to do, and if you do something else, you're not doing it, you know, that kind of approach, which is what you just basically what you asked me, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how I've always... And it also, just from what you described, she not only gave the answer, but she inhibited it. She didn't just like oh, jump yes, in and give an that's answer. That's true. I had she, not thought of that. Mm -hmm. She took her time and decided. And I'm guessing she did so with great use and presence. Oh, yes. Yes. So and in fact, that was her <laughs> mode of answering any kind of a question where she knew that if she wasn't just speaking to that one person, there would be dozens of other people who were, were whose ears were so wide open. she was open. modeling inhibition Yeah, you know, I had not well. thought of that. Mm -hmm. She inhibited before mm -hmm. she answered. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> wow. But so in my teaching, I never really used the term inhibition. Um, but I have started thinking about it a lot in different ways over the past year. And um, I thought we've done these two two. Uh, interviews, parts one and two. And this is part three, which is going to be in part going over some of the same stuff we covered earlier. But I'm kind of coming at it from a different angle uh, this time. Mm -hmm. And all of these interviews are, uh, they're explorations. They are not, none of these are the final word on the topic. Uh, there may be parts four, five, and six. Who knows? I mean, it's just a to me, it's a fascinating topic, and uh, I just I've been thinking about it a lot, experimenting on myself and on my students, and it has a little bit changed the kinds of directions I use and how I use them, and it it also has caused me to think of a couple of new directions that I think really take advantage of the idea of inhibition, what it, what it means and how to actually uh, arrive at that state or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd like to begin by talking about a particular type of negative direction. We, we've talked that we have talked about this before. This is not new. Uh, what are sometimes called paradoxical directions. Right. And I know you love them. I love them. I think they're just incredibly uh, 
powerful and useful. And they're basically uh, um, saying, thinking to yourself, whatever you're doing at the moment, I'm not doing it. So if you're walking across the room, you're thinking, I'm not walking. That, that kind of direction. Mm -hmm. And um, students uh, are very responsive to that once they get their minds around it. I mean, sometimes you have to say, you know, you're just thinking this thought, you're not doing anything about it. But, and it, it, it pretty much always produces a positive result in terms of the quality of movement. And early on, I, I was thinking, well, how strange is that? Because you say to yourself, I'm not walking, but there you are walking, you're doing something that looks a lot like walking. And, and why, does, why does thinking I'm not walking improve the quality of my walking? Mm -hmm. And my theory, and there's, I don't know any way to test this scientifically, but my theory is that you're basically your prefrontal cortex, which is where thoughts and ideas are, emerge from, uh, is saying to the rest of your brain and nervous system and rest of your whole rest of your body, um, I'm not, uh, it's, it's saying I'm not walking and then you could put in parenthesis the way I usually do. So walking, of course, has a lot of, you know, there's no one way to walk. And when you say I'm not walking, I think what happens is the rest of you says, oh, okay, um, he wants something different. And it comes up with something different pretty instantly. And the question that I've always been fascinated with is, how come it always ends up being a better way? Because logically, you know, the rest of your brain could say, all right, I got a way for you to walk. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, right. You want, I could do clunky if you want, you know, um, but it doesn't ever happen. And it seems to me that that reflects a fundamental bias in ourselves to move towards greater ease or less strain, however you want to phrase it, that we're kind of biased. If someone comes along and nudges us either with their hands or with words, um, that that if it's in a if it's a useful thing, we tend to respond pretty well to it. You, you know, mean this we're is like we're biased towards it. Yeah. You mean this is like if you stop doing the wrong thing, the right thing does itself. Well, yes. I mean, that's it's certainly very related to that. Yeah, I guess the question uh, you're yeah. posing is more like, why does it hone in on what was in quotes wrong? about how you're walking and when you I have think even, it hones I, in on what could be better what could be better yeah 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 i don't um, think i don't think your nervous system is sitting no no, no i was criticizing your, your movements no, yeah. quotes i don't like that yeah. word in the quote but it but it is speaking to if you stop a pattern that's not as 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 useful for you something better will emerge. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. version of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I gotta say, I'd love to know what Mar- Margaret Goldie would have said about that, because mm-hmm. those kinds of directions pretty much didn't exist back then, other than there's this one quote where Alexander quotes someone saying is, oh, I see, now that I don't breathe, I breathe. So, and he quote he quotes that approvingly. So that is, I mean, that is a negative, that's uh, a negative, that's a paradoxical direction, but he well, does, I do does think show up a lot elsewhere is what I'm saying. I'm just, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sort of remembering kind of from my training and kind of classical chair work, there was mm-hmm. this idea of you're not, you know, don't prepare, you're not sitting down and then you sit down, right? There's there's that mm-hmm. idea within it. It's maybe not quite as formed as the negative direction or the inhibitory direction, but but it's was in it was in there yeah and the teacher who i think most exemplified that this when i'm talking now about 40 years ago in england it was uh, patrick mcdonald mm. i mean he was always saying well, okay, well i'm now gonna get you into the chair and you're gonna you say no i'm you know that yeah, kind of thing yeah. no it I'm was not tricky yet. because he didn't really want you to resist it either. yes exactly so it was, you would say no i'm not i'm not letting yeah, you know you. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah but um but also the, this idea that your body is biased towards improvement mm-hmm. it also there is something that Again, Patrick McDonald says in uh, his his book, um, I think it's basically just the facts are favorable. Do you remember that quote? He's sort of describing the human condition in some ways, or how we how we organize ourselves. And he's he he says in the, the facts are favorable, which I take to mean he. You could look at it structurally. We are perfectly designed to be hanging out on this planet. That's for sure. I mean, it, we if as long as we use that our structure uh, mindfully, I mean, we are having the head up here and the legs and packing all that stuff in our torso. That's no easy job, you know, um, to get to that point. Um, so the facts are kind of favorable as long as we take advantage of that favorability. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's a little bit related. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, anyway, so paradoxical directions uh, of the kind, like I'm not walking or I'm not talking to you right now, mm-hmm. are, are the best example. But really. Um, uh, um, any direction of any kind that you use that's, that's, that's helpful is also kind of tapping into the fact that yeah. there's a lot of help going on outside the conscious thought that you want to project. Mm-hmm. And that would even include, let's say you're a big proponent of primary control. Right. I mean, that's a that's a thing in the Alexander world. Not everyone today 
buys into primary control being up here at the head and neck, but, but it's certainly, even if it's not the primary control, it's a pretty important place. So you might, you might notice, or someone might tell you, or as Alexander did using mirrors, that when he started to uh, recite, um, he pulled his head back and down on his neck. He tightened his neck. And I think a lot of people can relate to that or can, can be pointed out to them. Hey, you know, you started talking or you decided to sit down or you decided to, to um, do something. The first thing you did was tighten your neck a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then if you're a primary control kind of guy or gal, you might say, and you know, that tension in your neck is affecting everything in your body because everything's got to compensate for it. So that interconnectedness means that when you think to yourself any kind of useful direction about what's going on in your head, neck, torso relationship has got to include all the rest of you in terms of what changes. Like if you... If you were to think to yourself, I'm not tensing my neck, that would be a classic negative direction, which is a good direction. It, in order for it to be at all useful, it has to also extend out to everything else to fit in with that change. Absolutely, but... There's no way you're around not, that. You're not managing any of it from well, no, that's to the, everything that's, else. And that's yeah, where yeah, inhibition yeah. comes in. Absolutely. You can have this great idea to think to yourself, uh, I'm not tensing my neck, but that's it for the prefrontal cortex or for your conscious brain. From there on, it's all being handled by other systems. They're outside of your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And the ability to just put out that thought and then not get involved. That's a huge challenge. There are so many is, temptations to get. That is an inhibition process in and of itself. That is it. That, I would describe that as inhibition. Yeah. You, yeah. you have a, a, an idea, you tell, you tell yourself what it, what it is, and then you shut up, <laughs> basically. You just don't get yeah. involved. That, so that kind of strikes me that the the whole process has actually got at least two major places where inhibition happens. The one is the before you even decide to deliver the direction, right. because there's some, and then there's in the manner in which you deliver the direction that you can right. inhibit and leave it alone. Right? Absolutely, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and um, I'm just trying to follow through here on my, my notes, but um, that, uh, the fact that if you really do manage to stay out of the way, inhibit, right? Mm -hmm. That amazing stuff will happen and it won't be any, anything that you, programmed or organized, it is that what I would, when I've come to see as what could be called body wisdom, which is it's wisdom of your body, especially your nervous system. But I think the whole everything is involved 
that that you allow to to do its thing mm -hmm. and um that's the power of of directions in general that you don't get involved in implementing and all of the senior teachers of alexander have written have quotes that would kind of uh reinforce that idea walter carrington marjorie Bar barlow um yeah and alexander himself alexander himself says in the, in the early 30s on his training course and hey, none of my students will 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 uh, one of my students will believe that all they have to do is think the thought and that'll do the trick those are pretty much mm -hmm. his exact words uh, and he goes on to say well they're all slaves to their muscles so so that's an idea that's a throughput idea from early on that the idea is to stay out of the way which is a form of uh, inhibition mm -hmm. now the new thought i we've kind of covered a lot of that earlier but the new thought i want to add uh briefly and then i want to elaborate in a separate interview which will follow this is that what what's one way of describing what's going on when you do that when you think the thought must stay out of the way your conscious brain is essentially outsourcing everything to the rest of you now outsourcing it's a favorite that's word what of, you mean yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what i meant outsourcing is a favorite word of mine because just in general I'm always looking for ways to get someone else to do something that that I, so that I wouldn't have to do it. Well, um, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> <I know you are. laughs> and um, but this is a this is a type of outsourcing. It's not quite the same as outsourcing. Well, my gutters need cleaning. I better call the gutter guy to come over. That's outsourcing, but it's a little different. And I want to elaborate more on that difference in the next part of our next interview. Okay. But I just want to leave our listeners and viewers with that thought that inhibition, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to make it a definitive statement but i would say that inhibition is a type of outsourcing kind of by nature because the whole idea like margaret goldie would say things like not to do mm -hmm. okay but in the world you're going to be doing stuff you know you're going to be breathing you're going to be moving around uh so i think she's basically kind of saying not to do uh she's saying well get out of the way and let someone else take care of stuff some other part of you take care of stuff what do you think about that i will mull on that yeah and it's maybe I, i'm so it's a little bit different way for me to think of it so, but yeah, I think you said yeah. earlier that when we were corresponding by email that you mm -hmm. had some, what would be your take on that? Well, I wasn't understanding what you meant oh. by outsourcing. I was thinking, I, I forget how you worded it, but I was thinking more in the more mundane uh -huh. um, like definition for example? Of, out, 
of outsourcing like um when you get someone else to do something for you okay yeah yeah so i was thinking in a very different way because i did not understand how you were using the word outsourcing yeah Um, no well i i wanted that's what i want to talk about uh in more detail in um so our next i'm intrigued and I'm guessing anyone who's watched to this point will be intrigued. So maybe. Um, so so that yeah. interview, which will, will, when it gets posted, will be fairly soon after this one, and it'll have a, it'll have a. I don't haven't worked out the title yet, but uh, the words inhibition and outsourcing will probably be in the title. So. So anything you want to add uh, to what we've just talked, what we talked about kind of so far? Um, The only thing, and I know this has kind of been quite a long um, conversation, but in our email correspondence beforehand, you mentioned something about the car analogy and it not yeah that's that's what that's the lead into the next part oh that's part of the yeah okay so there's even more to tempt you to come and listen to our next um, if you like what we've talked about so far i think you'll love the next one okay (laughs) all right okay thank you so much my guest today has been imogen ragone and uh, thank you so much for this you're welcome you're welcome